0: I sit with leaders who don't do this. I I look with people who are completely working hard to literally manage their time. And they're working hard to manage your time. You're working hard on the wrong thing.
1: Unleashing your best in life and work. This is The Game Changers with Eric Bowles and host Dale Dixon. Your hard work does not matter. We're here to unleash your best in life and work. Welcome to The Game Changers podcast. I am your host, Dale Dixon. I help leaders do their best on stage in front of the camera, and I am the chief innovation officer for Better Business Bureau. Eric Bowles coaches, trains, and inspires leaders to unleash their potential and the potential of those around them. Eric, I have a feeling we have already set off uh, a few hairs on the back of necks as people are bristling around this idea that hard work just doesn't matter. But let's talk about this because you you had a conversation with a mentor today that really crystallized this whole concept for you.
0: It did. It did. It, 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 my, it even in our conversation kind of took me back to my playing days. And I've had this conversation with uh, many audiences that I've keynoted with, and then many leaders and leadership teams that I've consulted with. And when you hear the when you hear it, like hard work doesn't matter. There's a part of us that almost cringes because it's kind of in our, you know, DNA to believe, like, you know, if you if you work really hard, you're going to be successful. The key is we just got to work hard. And here's what I do know. There's a lot of people who've worked really hard and what they ended up with was just a bad back. It doesn't mean it's, a, but I always like say hard work is kind of the price of admission, right? I mean, it's like, uh, like, duh. That's the right like, your effort matters, but I think the, the aha moment for me was this, when I realized that even in my playing days, the scoreboard did not change unless the ball crossed the goal line or went through the field goal post. How hard, the amount of effort, the amount of strain, everything we did on the field to get to that outcome, the scoreboard did not care it was only going to change based on did the ball cross the goal line or did it go through the Vilgo goal post, right? And the, just that whole concept alone, look, we've talked, Dale, many times about the importance of a lot of different things, how we build our people, the things that are more qualitative than quantitative, right? The things that are the qualities that uh, matter most, not just the quantities that matter most. I give all of that. But one of the things I don't think we look close enough at is what are those things that actually matter? And the reality is there's only a few things that actually matter in every one of our environments and every one of our industries in terms of uh, getting results. The problem is since there's only a few things that matter most, do we know what those few things are? Because if only a few things matter most, those few things seem to be really, really important. But what happens many times is in most organizations, even in families, even in relationships, we don't know what those things are. So we are, the way I like to describe it is this, and this is the, why we say hard work doesn't matter. Um, um, what, what really matters is smart work matters. Thinking matters. I just feel like we're at a time now where if the answer's working harder, everyone listening to us right now, they'll... There's a high probability that you don't have any more time to give. That's just the reality. And if you are giving a lot more time, there's a good chance you're not, that time doesn't come from nowhere. So the more time I'm giving, whether it's my business, my organization, my, t- whatever the case can be is probably less time I'm giving to my family or less time I'm giving to another area of my life that matters as well. And so if that's the case, then instead of, If hard work doesn't matter, then smart work must matter a lot. So if I'm going to work hard, I better be working hard on the few things that matter most. I was once told most things don't matter at all, but the few things that matter matter a whole lot. And the question is, do you know what those few things are?
1: What are you as an employee really bringing to the table that is moving the ball across the goal line or through the goalposts? I, man,
0: I, I will tell you, one of the most significant things that are going to, you know, and it, it is, again, it's not an easy. Um, it is simple. And I think it's sitting down long enough to, you know, you mean you've talked about it before, but I just believe it's the 80-20 rule. I I, I really believe it is. I, I believe it's as simple as sitting back going, what's the 20% of what we do that makes the 80% difference? And I'm not saying It's exactly uh, in terms of, you know, here's a 20% we do that makes 80% difference. I'm primarily saying that there is an indirect relationship between inputs and outputs. What I'm saying is there are the few things we may be doing that have a tremendous result, but because we're not aware of that, we're spending a lot of time on things that don't have an equal impact. And when you don't know what those things are, all of a sudden... You're working really, really hard. And, and the stuff that isn't the 20% that makes the 80% difference ends up being a distraction, and we can't differentiate. There's a reason in football the starting quarterback gets 80% of the reps in practice. Now, if we want to be fair, we'd be let's be fair. Let's give each quarterback, the backup quarterback, the third string quarterback, all equal reps. That's not very wise, especially when the starting quarterback's probably going to play 100% of the game. Does it mean the other two positions shouldn't get some insight, awareness, gameplay, without question? But if we can help improve the quarterback who's going to be playing the majority of the time to have as much clarity as possible, the, the uh, compound effect of them being more prepared has a much more significant impact on the rest of the organization versus we try to equally distribute the amount of work that goes to each person. This is almost Kelter, you know when people hear this uh you know it's almost like so eric what you're saying is we don't want to be equitable we're not trying to be inclusive we're not, no that i am not talking about the culture i'm not talking about nurturing i'm not talking about development all that i am specifically talking about from an activity standpoint what are the few activities that make the biggest difference and do you know what those are or are you guessing have you spent time with your customers to know what, a, if there's 10 things that your customers, that you do for your customers, what's the two things that are worth the other eight things combined? Do you know what those are? Yes, personalize. My wife and I have been married 20 years. I can sit there and go, these are all the things that matter a lot to my wife to appreciate. It. But the reality is there's a couple of things. If there's 10 things that matter to my wife. I promise you, out of the 10, there's probably a couple of them that are worth the other eight combined. And if I don't get those two right, it doesn't matter how well I do the rest of the eight. <laughs> so if it's that simple, why would I not then be made aware of that and spend more time or at least invest more intentionality on the two that make the biggest difference? The problem is we don't go through the process of discovering What are those few things that matter most? So what's the process of discovery to start off with? You
1: told us about asking the customer, spending time with the customer. What are some other questions and other ways for leaders to find that important 20% that's moving the needle the majority of the time?
0: Well, one of the things is, you know, I, I like to always, you know, I mean, I, 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 you got to measure. It. Like, I think about what are the few critical tasks that, like, contribute the most to our income? right what are the what are the those few critical tasks that um uh, that we do that our client or customer values so much one of those few cri- now understand this is when it was just direct to a customer we can find this out in each relationship we can go through the process we think about it this way dale from a marketing standpoint right we this is why we're willing to pay money for market research, and if people don't pay money for market research and they just spend on advertising, it's a bad move, right? We want to know, okay, of all the marketing budget, of the money we're going to spend on marketing alone, what are the, what's the demographic, what's the target, who's the audience, who's a, who are we going after, who best work, why? Because we know we have a limited resource in terms of fundings, so just to say, hey. You know, that's when I I work with a group, they, uh, hopefully this makes sense, Dale, they come back and it's like, man, this is how much money we're spending on our marketing budget. Who cares? The question is, where are you spending? it? Just the fact that you have advertising is one thing, but who's actually being touched by your advertising at the right spot, at the right time? Now, that is, we get that, but it's amazing how we compartmentalize that thinking or way of being. And do not connect it to the other areas of our lives, and so sometimes one of the measurements you can use is, hey, I want to do it around revenue, oh okay, I want to do it around you know uh, uh, um, um you know I call it the, the 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 headache index, right so I can have i got tons of clients, right, but there are some clients of mine who are not only are they High impact, high impact. Not only are they great to work with, not only from a fiscal standpoint profitable, but everything about it is incredibly joyful. And then you can have another client who's not even profitable with a major headache, demands the majority of your time. And because your goal is to have a number of clients, you don't realize how much of that that group is literally, I would say, 80% of your profitability, 80% of your success, 80% of your comes from on only 20% of probably of your client uh, portfolio. But if that's the case, then that means there's another significant portion of your portfolio who's the headache. So why are you spending so much time investing in that when you could get more clients like the 20% makes a difference? But if you don't know what that is, you don't know what to look for. And so, even though I'm talking about in business, the flip side of that is that we can also have the same conversations for ourselves personally.
1: I was gonna say, firing the customer could be a whole nother podcast. I
0: feel mean, a whole nother crop. We are literally talking about multiplication through subtraction, and you can do this. Like I'm, I, here's all I ask. And there's, I'm, I know there's a leader who's hearing this conversation right now. You're about, and I'm speaking directly to the leader right now. You're probably going to have a meeting this week or whatever year of this podcast. And in one of your meetings, you're probably going to spend, I don't know, 80% of the meeting talking about clients or talking about problems with clients. And if you dug deeper, you will notice that the problems that you're talking about all exist around one or two clients or a small percentage of your client base. But if you look even closer, you realize that group who's creating all the complaints, the return on even fixing the problems aren't worth it. If you would spend the time, instead of talking about their problem, spent time and started identifying who are our top 20% client group, and distinguish who they are and what that work. And when I say 20%, please those who are living, do not take me literally in terms of just the twenty percent. My point is there's a disproportional uh impact in terms of inputs and outputs. So I, I, I may have 20 clients, but out of that corner on average, you know, if it's the 80-20 rule, you know, there's there's only about four of them, right? <laughs> about four of those clients really make the biggest difference. And everybody else are good, but they don't make the biggest difference. So if the 20% make the difference, I better make sure I know who that 20% is and I better make sure I'm giving them the right amount of effort. This isn't an issue of, you know, uh, oh, we we got all these that we have to take care of. So, you know, we got to ignore the other, you know, 80%. No, the problem is, the other 80% take consume so much of your time, and you're working so hard that your hard work doesn't matter because some of that hard work should have been directed to your top 20%. Because the return on that is huge. I'm going to personalize it for. For a lot of us in a personal way, Dale, 80% of our happiness comes from less than 20% of the relationships that we have. I mean, it's I'm I'm not but it's, it's a good estimate. I have a lot of associates, I have a lot of friends, but the real meaning of friendship and the sense of love and the care for it only comes from a small group of all those people that I'm connected with. The question is, how much of my time do I invest in that relationship, especially when it gives that kind of return? If I was honest, I realized it's not enough. All those other ones take up more of the time. So I'm not intentional enough. And as a result... I am not getting the kind of compound return I could by just investing a little bit of that wasted time I'm spending, 80% that I'm spending on, that's giving me less than 20% return. And if I turn around and gave some of that to the 20% that makes the biggest difference, look at the return on that. Man, that's a 4X return. I I get 80% on that. Now, I know I'm talking in numbers, but it's so practical. But I said when leadership teams who don't do this. I said with leaders who don't do this. I, I look with people who are completely working hard to literally manage their time, and they're working hard to manage their time. You're working hard on the wrong thing. What you need to determine is what is worthy of your time in the first place. And it should be using this principle, like I said, the 80-20 rule, where you're like, I am serious about this thing. This is life-changing. I mean, it, it it's so life changing, Dale. I'm sorry, to get, I get excited about this, but it's so life changing. It even changes how you look at stuff that you enjoy. There's a lot of things that uh, that that we're involved in that we don't even like that much, right? And we just find ourselves in it. Well, if you sat back and thought, and what are the few things that give me? my most happiness? What are the few people who I enjoy being in, it, connected with the most? What are the few activities that I like that break out the, big, the biggest difference? I, I I do it this way. I work out, you know, I'm, I got to work out. I love. I enjoy working out five, six times a week. But three was like, why do you enjoy working out? Because I sat back and thought about my entire workout and go, what's the 20% of this workout that's giving me 80% of the difference? Well, can not spend more time on that 20% even in the workout? Like, Everything isn't equal. I 80 20, everything. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, not only am I becoming more efficient, I'm becoming far more effective. Everything isn't equal. So, spending an hour in the gym, you don't get credit because you spent an hour. Your body doesn't change because you were there for an hour. Your body changes because what you did in that hour was actually impactful. We use the overall to, oh, I, I I was at the gym for an hour. All right, but the majority of that was walking between walking around between exercises. Very little time your muscle tension or, or, or your, your, your muscle under tension. When those things don't happen, it's not the greatest return. So sit back and analyze. But when we start doing stuff like this, it makes the biggest difference in the world.
1: The uh, analogy I heard today it was from uh, the CEO of a company who owns multiple restaurant brands globally. And he was talking about what he learned from his grandmother as she was teaching him to garden at a young age. And he went, thinking he was doing the right thing, and started pulling weeds. She stopped him and said, don't spend your time pulling the weeds. Spend your time watering the flowers. And then she explained exactly what she meant in that. If you water the flowers and take care of the flowers, what you want to keep... What's the 20%? He said, that will prevent sunlight from getting to the weeds, and it will choke out the weeds. And he said he finally figured this out when he applied that concept to his employees. He said, I found myself spending so much time trying to grow those employees who were the equivalent of the weeds. As Harsh as that sounds. And he said, "I wasn't paying enough attention to those employees who were the flowers, who were really creating a difference for the customers, who were moving the moving the ball past the you know through the goalposts and and over the the goal line. And when you switch it, like you're talking about, it is truly a game changing event for us personally at the personal level and in the business."
0: Uh, uh, Dale, that would. The, the CEO you were just talking about—that is it. Many people are like we got to, it's 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 not that we we all have weed problems, but it's how we look at them, right? It's how you look at the problem, and so for some people, they are spending all. They don't think about spending all their time pulling weeds, and you're like, golly, there's so many. Yeah, why don't you spend more time growing your grass?" Right, like everybody. <laughs> <right? laughs> I mean, and that example that was just given, and this is so critical even when it comes to people. I was uh, doing something with, you know, Walby, and I told you earlier, I had a uh, a, a conversation recently or or a keynote I had with, you know, representing all 32 NFL teams and big event that was held held in Seattle. And uh, what I enjoyed so one of the questions, or just a brilliant question by one of the young leaders in the room, Uh, what do you do when uh, you have an attitude to go forward, you want to build up others, you're trying to develop others, you're trying to pour into them, but they don't give, they just take. And they don't do this, they just get. I mean, it was just over and over again bringing up. And um, basically they asked a question that me and you are speaking about right now, Dale, which is, um, you know, too often we're investing our energy into things that give zero return, which includes people. This is, this whole concept of uh, working hard doesn't matter. You know how hard you can work trying to develop somebody who doesn't really have an attitude to be developed, and because we spend so much time trying to invest into that person, we miss or don't see the people on the team who really want to be developed, or I think it even more practical. We spend so much time working on the people who have challenges and problems and ignore the ones who are actually doing well. So the ones who are doing well, we leave alone instead of investing in. Now, when I say development time, that doesn't mean you spend every minute of your time with them because they're great performers, and so they need room to be able to stretch, grow, whatever. But you should be intentional. You should ensure that the performers on your team who have a heart to grow, are, uh, who, who are some of your high performers, they shouldn't feel neglected. For the individuals on the team, who don't really care who's just a, the squeaky wheel, but this is happening everywhere. And I'm just watching so many organizations. They are losing Dale, some of their top performers, simply because they're not being invested in Like they're, they're being left alone. They're great perform, but they're not growing where they're at. And it's part of the same process we're talking about right now. We work hard on the wrong stuff. And we work off on time we work hard on the wrong people.
1: You use the word intentionality, and I think that's something to really think about and apply in all of this. I remember, I don't know who said it, but it's something that has just stuck in my mind. True intelligence is being able to hold competing ideas in your mind at the same time. And this is one of those topics. That tends to be a competing idea because it has been drilled into us. Hard work's important. And what I'm hearing you say is smart work is what is important. And really paying close attention to what matters most is what's most important. And you've given us some fantastic ways to think about this. But it so requires intentionality because it's easy to fall into old habits.
0: It is so good, though. That's why, like, if I'm giving somebody practical and in, in, uh, I want people hearing me right now, I'm going to say it very in, in, intentional, but I'd say this often to leaders. If you haven't identified the mission critical tasks, the few things that make the biggest difference, and if you don't set aggressive start time and end times for their completion, everything unimportant becomes important. There's no other way you're going to get around. Like you have to know what are those few critical those few things that make the biggest difference then i have to make sure those things because stephen cubby did a best deal when he talked about the big rocks small rocks the sand the water i mean and he always uh, you put the big rocks in first then you can add the little rocks then you can add sand then the water but if you didn't start with the big rocks and you start with everything else the rocks never get in everybody knows that And, and but it's so simple and practical uh, it was the reason why Brian Tracy said, eat the, dro- eat the frog first, right? The- eat the frog, right? Like, do the tough thing first. But here's what I want everybody to know. You have to spend time knowing what the big rocks are. So so we can use the analogy, but do you actually know what the big rocks are? So you know how smart it is? A lot of people are working hard right now solving problems. But you know it would be nice? To actually go and find out from your customers what they determine of all the stuff you do why do they work with you instead of guessing why they work with you instead of hoping they work good, or instead of trying to be a mind reader go get the information that's called smart work that's not just hard work and then guess what as time goes on it's there's a chance what the big rocks are to your customer might change so you might want to know that right? in our personal relationships Look, I can work all day long. There's a lot of things that I can do and work really hard at. What blows my mind every time is when I actually talk with my wife and find out how simple it is to make a few things. The things that matter most to her are so simple. But I'm trying to overwhelm her with the 80% that makes 20% difference to her. Like there's 80% of the stuff I do has very little value. But there's the few things that I do have a whole lot of value, and those things re- you rarely come with a whole lot of dollar signs to it. Almost no signs at all. Just be just. It. But to not know that information and work really hard on things that really don't matter to her, then be upset with her that she doesn't appreciate what I do is completely mind boggling. I want credit for working hard, but you worked hard. On the road stuff, our customers are the same way. The marketplace is the same way. The marketplace will tell you the truth in terms of what they believe that you, they value. This is why sometimes I tell people, like, I feel like I deserve better because I've worked as hard as, i work worked way hard than that person, and that person seems like oh, they get all the breaks, or that business got lucky, or whatever. All that may be true, but here's what I know. The word deserve, it means, that it, it means of service. And you haven't been of service to me if what you're doing doesn't have value to me. Come on. like If what you're doing, I don't value, I don't consider that service. <laughs> right? I mean, but why, then why would you want to find out what service does mean to me and vice versa? And so it's, it's, everything we're saying right now really, really practical. But these are the kind of authentic and real conversations Within organizations, businesses, well, we don't have. I lead people right now. My team, is great. The clients I work with, the people my team are with. But if I don't know what are the few things that matter most to my team, the individual individually to my team, then I'm missing a huge opportunity. And vice versa, they should know what matters most to me.
1: We usually wrap up a podcast about this time, but. I am coming back in my mind to parenting. You've, brought, you've made this personal talking about your wife, but I think as parents, we have a responsibility in raising the leaders of the future. And I, I think that's a pretty logical conclusion to say a trophy for participation is probably exacerbating the problem of but I worked hard. So as parents what are some things that we can be doing to change the narrative with our kids and and get them prepared to be thinking about making the most in that 20% and smart work and critical
0: thinking that, that you you just said it you just said it this sense of uh and in in you know I've heard the term entitlement, and they've applied that for a whole a whole generation of kids or young people, right? And I don't agree with that. Uh, you know, I, I believe we, we there's as many of us older generation, uh, uh, fifty and above, who is just as entitled because the, the reality is we believe, you know, uh, how we work and how we do things, things shouldn't changed, right? Like we should still get rewarded the same way, even though the marketplace is shifting, right? Uh, So that in time with dynamic is real. But when it comes to parenting and our kids, and I say this is, yes, there's value in the effort. There's value in the work. But the problem is, I don't understand why we want, why taking away the feedback tool that tells you if you were successful or not has been removed. We need it. Like, it's it's like like, again, the reason is, 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 is critical that we teach our young people or especially our kids to deal with loss and we want them to know what it feels like to win. But we also want them to know what it feels like to give great effort to something. And if it doesn't turn out their way, to know that sometimes you just got to walk off the field knowing you left it all out there, but it wasn't good enough. And the reason it wasn't good enough is we got to get better. Now, here's the difference. There's a difference between my effort not being good enough and my value as an individual. The problem is we've attached our actions, or more importantly, our accomplishments, our achievements, or a lack thereof, and connected it to our identity. I remember, you know, not to just get on this this rent deal, but it, it was something recently happened. I'm very involved, as you know, with amateur athletics, very involved with, you know, uh, even uh, well, I, I spoke to, you know, many times to uh, our athletic uh, uh, athletic directors uh, association, being able to speak to many college athletic directors out there. I work with a lot of high school uh, 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 sports teams and uh, different communities where they have a, a, a lot of youth sports that are involved, in, in a, and I say this quite often. Uh, there was a time when uh, if you didn't play a kid or a kid didn't get play in time or something where it happened, the kid would just figure out how to work harder and what did they need to do to get on the court. And, he, and, and in most cases, I love, there are parents who actually have their kid go up to the coach and find out. The parent won't come up. They'll send their kid. But it is amazing how much now. You got to talk to every parent. A parent is sending an email. A parent is like, "Why aren't my kids?" But the, the the for some reason we've removed the smart work, finding out what matters most, giving the kid an opportunity to go get some feedback and coaching and real time feedback and go through that process. By the time they get to the the, the, the marketplace, by the time they get into organizations. I mean, we got young people losing their mind just because they're getting tough feedback from their boss that they're not doing a good job, and they're walking away going, "He's told me I'm terrible." No, he just says, "You're not doing a good job. You're a great person. You're just not being effective in the role, and you need to make some changes." But if we can't do that, if we can't give feedback, that that's a problem. There's no course correction one person said this way is like, you know, the, the reality is we, what we should have been doing or what we should be doing is preparing our kids for the road. But we're turning around and trying to prepare the road for our kids. That's backwards. And I would also say that's also true up our, our businesses. We're wanting the marketplace to just appreciate us because of how hard we're working. No, he's got it backwards. <laughs> right? We're the ones who have to make adjustments to impact the marketplace, not the, not the opposite direction. So if only we want to add value to the marketplace, we got to learn how to adjust. If we want our kids to have an impact on the rest of the world and grow leaders, we're going to have to teach them how to adjust, how to be resilient, how, how, how to have some resolve. And this is why just sheerly working hard isn't enough. we got to work smart. we got to have a resiliency, which includes all those aspects to be able to course correct. You were saying about definite intelligence and having these two dots. Well, also, intelligence can be measured by our ability to accomplish a goal in an ever-changing environment of variables where those invari- the variables in the environment continues to shift, yet we keep finding new ways to reach our goal. We can only get there by working smart. You can't just do that by hard work. You can't just grind through it all. You're going to have to adapt. And that's everything we've been talking about here. And that is the summary
1: we needed. Thank you so much, Eric. I will remind our listeners, this is your opportunity to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. Just go to your favorite podcast listening app. Make sure you subscribe while you're there. If you would rate and review the podcast, we would be so grateful. It makes it easier for others to find this type of content when they're looking for business leadership information and to help improve their game if it has high ratings and a lot of reviews. So a rate, a rating and review from you would be greatly appreciated. Also, make sure and connect with us. I'm at DaleDixonMedia.com. Eric as it is at TheGameChangersInc.com. You can also find us on social media. This is The Game Changers, helping you unleash your best in life and work. Have a fantastic week. The Game Changers, unleashing your best in life and work with Eric Bowles and Dale Dixon. Eric is an executive coach, leadership expert, change consultant, and keynote speaker. Read his book, Moving to Great, and find him at ericbowls.com. Connect with Dale at daledixonmedia.com.